Welcome to Natch, episode seven three. That it's was pretty- uh, except for that last one. That was that was a genuine peacock call. Although the last one was too, because you're Mark Peacock Brush, so lots well, of peacock calls. I'm also the Sound Hawk. Shoot me a text three zero three five four eight six eight seven seven. You're always welcome to text the Sound Hawk. Never forget that. Whisper in your lover's ear. Mm-hmm. Remember when it was. Uh, Whisper in your lover's favorite orifice. I think it's gotten better. Perhaps. Tell me about your LDL, buddy. Where's the sheet? Oh, shit. Hold on. It's in my office. Talk about your cholesterol while I go get it. Because yours is high, too. No. Yeah. About like four points. 200, something like that. It's not ideal. It's not outrageous. I think my uh, different fractions were in a good balance, though. My fractions are doing better now. You're the expert. Why don't you take a look, Mark? What do we got there? I I need to pull up the whole... Oh, man. We were going to do a whole thing on this. Does this have the old levels, too? No, I think I sent... Well, they were... My overall, I think, was like 252 before. Should we pull it up? Because we have it somewhere. Which was quote-unquote wicked high. I don't think we need to dive that deep. Okay. Point being, switched to a nearly vegan diet, started doing more cardio... Ate significantly more fish, fatty fish, and uh, dropped my cholesterol like over 50 points in three months. Yeah, but it's still this. The, the problem was the LDL, and that's still high, huh? The problem was the LDL. It's the same as yours. It's 208, right? Isn't that what yours is? No, your total cholesterol is 208. Which is what your total cholesterol is. And the, the upper end of the range is about 200. Yeah. Yeah, mine's 204. So we're both. But my LDL is lower. And your LDL is high, and that's she keeps writing LDL down. You didn't didn't you have a whole conference about this? Yeah, it was like weeks ago, man. We were going to talk about this last week, and we didn't. I think my vacation passed without talking about it. So, well, so what did she say? She wanted to bring me in for some more expensive tests. It sounded like um, sounded like to like do particle analysis. They can do some different fractions. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah, you haven't decided. They sounded expensive. She wanted to have someone. It was, well, she she said that she recommended that, and then she was going to have a nurse come in and uh, explain it to me. And so I sat there for like ten minutes, and no one ever came in. And then at that point, I just wanted to get the hell out of there, so I just left. And then as I was driving away, I was waiting to turn at a light, and there was a car in front of me. And there was a truck turning onto the street we were on, and this lady freaked out. She thought the wide-turning truck was going to hit her, and she just backed up into me without even looking. Mm. So if that nurse had done her job, no one would have backed up into me. Oh, geez. Story took a turn. I know, right? And Literally. you know what? Luckily, my blood pressure didn't shoot through the roof oh. Well, during right. that episode. <laughs> so did she talk to you about the LDL specifically or not? Probably. You don't remember? It's been a while, man. So no, not trying to put you on any drugs? She, I think she'd like to at some point, maybe. Well, no, actually, that's not true. That's not fair to say. She would only do that as the last resort, I think. Oh, so she said the lifestyle stuff worked. Keep doing it. Yeah, but let's do some more tests. She said you were able to nice. do some amazing things. I think she said hats off to me. Well, hats off to you. Yeah. Good so job. It just, just shows what can happen when you take control of your own health, right, Mark? He says as he... <laughs> Turns on his weird... Electromagnetic back 
massager. I got a little back pain. It's yeah, back. Stand, well, it's been standing. a long time since I've had back pain. Oh, that's good. Awesome that it's Plus, back. you had the anxiety dreams. It could be related. Yeah, they were weird anxiety dreams. What, what was that? Could be related to... Whoa! Well, that's you being the sound hawk. Look at you. I was being more the gesture hawk. You were doing some weird wiggling in your seat. Well, I'm sitting, and it, the chair's making a noise sometimes. That'll happen with chairs. What? Oh. Okay. Hey. Hi, everyone. This is Natch. This is episode 73. That's Josh's LDL update. He's still with us. I'm Josh. He's Mark, also known as the Sound Hawk. Both of us have sort of high cholesterol. <laughs> no. But Mark's LDLs are looking great. Okay. So no statins from Brush. There's the total number, Yeah. which we, we, we are very comparable on. Mm-hmm. Then there's the ratios of the good to the bad. And I feel like your good, your bad is higher than my bad. But your voice is better than my voice this week. <laughs> you sound very pinched. What else can we learn from Zach? Do you remember last week? How could I forget? Brand strategy. What, what was the takeaway? It was sort of... It was to know your audience. And to know what they want. why people are using your product. But really, dig deep, right? What, what, which what is we what we did. With? Why are we coming back to this? Well, because, sure, we came up with some ideas that they like the banter. Why do people listen to Nash? They like the banter. Maybe it's a little entertaining. They're mowing the lawn. They, they got get some information out of it. They, they get a little education a little about food. Food news, eventually. Then we got to, it's a sense of family. It's a family. and Everybody's welcome. Yeah, that's right. Everyone's welcome to share their vacation stories, too, is what I remember was the main takeaway. But also, I came up with another one. The inner psychic ease of knowing someone is paying attention. Nice try. Someone's keeping tabs. Someone's on top of this tiny little area of life, food. Well, it's not really a tiny area of In life. a world run amok. Don't you eat like multiple times a day? We're here for you. Well, that's true. I think that's another subtext. That's another reason why <clears throat> they come back. I think you might be right. It's not the quality of my voice this week. I apologize. There's some problems there. Hey, what the hell? I don't know. You sound raspy. Little Kathleen Turner. <sighs> yeah. Are you wearing kitten heels? Because that is a sexy voice. Speaking of sexy voices. Yeah? Oh, a new, a new segment, segment for Chance. Week. Yes, we do. Uh, you know, we've been teasing well, this just, one out for a while, I think, right? Just, just get it going. We'll... Okay, we'll tell you. We'll explain it later as yeah, if it needs yeah. explaining. And now it's time for Details with DeFay. Hi, boys. It's Daniel. Oh, nope, it's DeFay. Um, I'm coming to you with a quote dealing with DeFay, although I don't love that name. Maybe more something like details with DeFay, down in the dirt with DeFay, just some ideas. Anyway, let me go down the list. First of all, um, how does Mark know who Sia is, the famous recording artist, but Josh mistook her for Yoko Ono in that Dog Festival video? It's weird. Um, next item. <laughs> I actually won $10,000 from where I went to wait when I was in sixth grade. Okay. 500 is barely worth mentioning if that was what I really won. <laughs> Woo! Um, let's see. Oh, regarding paleo, I am begrudgingly doing the Whole30 cleanse, which is kind of just a modified paleo, which you know I hate. Um, my naturopathic doctor is making me do it to 
get my probiotics all in order in my guts. Um, but she is letting me eat beans, so take that, Paleo. Um, your Grams is adorable and has the same birthday as my mom. Physic. I had never heard of this before. Um, a quick little internet search um, makes it seem like it's an emetic, which is like a medicine that's supposed to make you barf, I guess if you are poisoned or whatever. So no wonder it tasted bad. Um, let's see. Oh, I would totally read any Desmond Morris book with you. Cats, apes, sensual, whatever that was you're trying to get Mark to do. I'll read those. Just let me know. And lastly, and I love you guys, but fuck this karaoke thing. Like, or maybe try auto-tune? It, it like, it like grates on my brain a little bit when you are singing. More Mark, but really both of you. Okay, that's all. Love ya. Bye. Man, Mark, you get no respect on the karaoke <laughs> mic, my friend. <laughs> Harsh. Well, Shaggy know, Brownie and Dife. Although she she heaps some I scorn got, on me too. Well, I got bookended on that one. I, I started with a bang. I got a lot of props for Sia knowledge. But you didn't know that that was Sia in that video. Which video? No, she said you didn't know it was. Well, I know, but it's not like you swooped in and was like, wait, that's Sia when I said it was Yoko Ono. I never watched the video. But I don't know how you know who the hell that was. How would I know who it is in the video if so I didn't Sia watch the video? So Sia is only known by having two-tone black and white hair, because that was really the only thing you could see. It was oh, a hat oh. and some hair. It's like cousin ca- fucking it. You, oh man! So it was an obvious Sia sighting, and you blew it. I, I got still it. know who Sia is. You guys didn't watch the video. Okay. I know the OG women artists. I don't know. So Defay bookended me there. That's fine. <clears throat> yep. I, you know, maybe we should take the point on the karaoke. Out. <laughs> I was thinking like that could be our signature thing. Like, yeah. Wait. You, so you didn't like Greg Kinband either? I thought that was a, a pretty good performance. I don't know. I can't do it this week. Actually, you probably could. You could do something spoken word. Smoke. <laughs> um, Physic, that was good. Good to know. I gotta tell you, I I didn't. Ha- I was like, wait a minute. Our 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 You're close. foremost fan. Mm-hmm. Our number one fan. Fanboy. She's not a boy. That was just a term. Uh, is gonna do a segment where she just like critiques things we said or. Corrects the record. I was like, eh. I loved it. That was great. I can't believe you. I didn't know. I didn't how know little I, faith you had in Dife. So I didn't expect much, but I got. I was delightfully surprised. Well, yeah, the physics thing. At least there's only one asshole at this table, Dife, because I knew it was going to be great. Even with the karaoke burn. I don't mind the karaoke burn. Yeah, I don't mind it karaoke. Karaoke probably is better enjoyed when you can see the magic happening and not just hear the shrillness of it. You know, something to ponder. I guess the skin runs thick. But, uh, like uh, uh, oh, Dife, though, podcast aficionado. Oh, totally. I'm sure we've noted that before, but you wouldn't, you would have, you'd be in the dark about, oh, yeah, dude, your very favorite show if it wasn't for Dife. Oh, my God, I love that show. They're kicking out two episodes a week now. I did, that was not to start talking about them. I'm like, why the hell are they doing this? This is not their style. I, I can't think of only one thing. Well, you are the chief strategy officer, so your mind went strategy. And what did you come up with, Mark? I came up with, they raised some money. From that Patreon thing, mm-hmm. so they can they have more time. <clears throat> and it's just going to double their stats. I mean, their fans are so loyal; they'll probably listen to both episodes. Yeah. Well, now, why would they need to double their stats? 
Maybe it's not doubling their stats. Maybe they just it makes them sharper on their game. I think there's something else. Sets there. not working TV at the weed show, store anymore. Something, something. I'll tell want, you what I want more. They need of. to get the stats up to bring in sponsors. Something's happening. I want more Seth's clips. Those, Seth clips. He, Seth. Seth. Well, I know, but they're his, right? I wasn't talking about the title of the show. I'm just saying I want some more of those Seth's clips. Well, if you'd listen to the first one released this week, they have a discussion about Seth versus Seth's. Oh. What's it called? True true fans would have gotten that one right there. Like D-Fay. Well, I don't claim to be a true fan. You son of a bitch. Well, I enjoy their show. I'm not, like, wetting my pants every time I listen to it. I don't wet my pants either. Not that kind of wet. I mean, like, dewy. Like, you get all... Desmond Morris, too. I mean, we can move on to that, D-Fay, because it's time for the Desmond Morris it's Book Club. It's time for the book club. And you are welcome to join. Real books. We both. There Actually, there's one more copy of Naked Ape at a Denver Public Library right now. I forget which one. There were three copies circulating in the Denver Public Library system. I have one that I got at the Central Library. Mark has one that he got out at Lowry. Schlesman. While he was working out, he worked out at Orange Theory, and then he popped on in. <laughs> you could, the, any student of the Denver Library system will know, you could just put, put a hold on that sucker and ship it to your local branch. Well, I know that. I'm letting her know that there's only one copy left. All right? Naked eight. But she lives on South Broadway. Head to that Bafo uh, used bookstore right there. Name of it, I forget, but I probably have a copy there. You know what I'm saying? Naked eight by Desmond Morris, prominent zoologist. This is the controversial classic of man's origins. I had instructed Mark to read the intro and the first chapter. That might even be on tape in the last episode. But all baby cakes could get through was four pages. I wanted He people read the introduction. Now she can join along. Yeah, nice try. Courteous. Nice try. Consider it. Would you like me to read a Wikipedia entry on Desmond Morris? He's still alive, so it'll be incomplete. <laughs> who is he, Josh? You go ahead. Tell us who he is. Why are you so enamored of this man? Well, I read this book uh, when I worked at Barnes & Noble Bookseller. This is like, I, I just stumbled across this book. I was kind of in that point in my life where religion was really irritating to me. And I, and I thought, you know, people were dumb if they believed in that stuff. And I was like, kind of like Hitchensy about most things like that. And I also thought people were kind of absurd with how serious we take ourselves and how cool we think all of our accomplishments are. And then this book just put a bow on that for me because it wasn't, it wasn't confirming my cynicism. And it was saying that your what? My cynicism. Okay. It was letting me know that the, it, it was just reminding me that we are, we are animals first. Before we are intellects, we are, we are animals. And so this is a zoologist looking at the naked ape, human, through the lens of a zoologist. Not, not impressed by all our cell phones and whiz-bang. <coughs> He's like, what kind of animal am I dealing with here? There are 193 living species of monkeys and apes. Yep. 192 of them are covered with hair. The exception is a naked ape, self-named Homo sapiens. This unusual and highly successful species... See, I'm saying species. I'm impressed. Species. You just like to make a little more hiss, a little extra chance for more hiss. Spends a great deal of time examining his higher motives and an equal amount of time studiously ignoring his fundamental ones. He is proud that he has the biggest brain of all the primates, but attempts to conceal the fact that he also has the biggest penis. There it is. Preferring to accord this honor falsely to the mighty gorilla. He is an intensely vocal, acutely exploratory, overcrowded ape, and it is high time we examine his basic behavior. I am a zoologist, and the naked ape is an animal. He is therefore fair game for my pen. 
and I refuse to avoid him any longer. It's so what did you book. think of this introduction, Josh? That's pretty good. This book is as absorbing and delightful as it was when I read it probably 20 years ago. I took, took an issue with a couple things. Well, like what? Well, he teased it up here. Uh, truly primitive tribes have not existed for thousands of years. Okay, fine. The naked ape is essentially an exploratory species, and any society that has failed to advance has in some sense failed, gone wrong. This notion that the ancient is some sort of a failure. Not the ancient. I think he means like these small, isolated tribes. He means like Aborigines. Right. The San Bushmen. People we long to understand now for their untainted gut. I don't, I don't think he's saying they're material. failures as people. I think they're, he's saying they're failures as animals in a way. He's saying failures, buddy, because then he goes Well, here. he's a zoologist, so he's not trying to hurt your feelings. Then he gets all hot and bothered about psychiatry and psychoanalysts. He sure does. If they, so people who go to them, if they were healthy, successful, and therefore typical individuals, they would not have had to seek psychiatric aid and would not have contributed to the psychiatrist's store of information. Well, well. The only point he's making is that psychiatrists and psychologists, they're basing everything on analyzing people who are broken or whatever. So they they can't balance it against... So what I would argue... Healthy people who don't. Is that in this... It's a rich man's game, right? But in this day and age, there's a large swath of people who would just consider probably psychology more than psychiatry, just like a routine maintenance. Yeah. Go give a little little tune-up. It's like your naturopath. Go get yourself a physic. As it, so it doesn't have to, but at when he wrote this book, you know. It's in the 70s. Mm-hmm. There was probably, a stigma. There was probably a psychologist falling out of every cupboard in your house. There was a stigma. There was a stigma. Hey, Jimmy Stewart played the psychiatrist in a, a, so, a really good movie. So look, let, I mean, we were just teasing up the book club this week. I think I kicked off a tweet. Did you? With the book, book cover. You did old Desi a solid. But my cover is different than your cover, so we'll do a... We'll throw a Instagram up there and we'll put both books in it. Do we need to? Well, just for a day so people can see it. Oh, okay. It's very exciting. If they want to see what uh, 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 edition we're reading. And then I'm looking at the table of contents here, Josh, and I'm like, well, you know what? Let's read one a week. Yeah. I'm already almost done with Origins. It is amazing. Next week is Origins. After that, sex. Rearing. That's parenthood. Is that from behind? Exploration. Yep. Fighting, feeding, comfort, anals. Animals. <laughs> There's a whole chapter on anal. Hey, let me Book ask club. you this. I'm excited to keep it going. If you Join it, along, D-Fay, okay. and everyone else that's Calm out there. Calm yourself. You are peeking out. That was a fucking outrage. What are you doing? <laughs> I wanted to ask you a question. Okay. You just lost control of yourself. I'm here. Out of all the chapters you just named, in which one do you think he discusses religion? Is that a trick question? Is like the answer none? Or no, is there... religion's in there. It's not a trick question. Okay. Um, I just want to see if you can guess. Well, comfort. Could be in comfort. Sex. No. Rearing. Nope. Anal. Anal. No. Fighting. Fighting. Yeah, that makes sense, actually. If I, if I may tease Please a little do. bit. I think his, if I recall, his uh, contention is that uh, when we were in tribes, 
there was the alpha male kind of, or like troops, you know, the alpha male was there. You feared the alpha male, but the alpha male also protected you. And as we moved into more isolated pair bonds, which became a necessity as we adopted the carnivore lifestyle, we no longer had that visible Fuck alpha male. Okay, okay, I got a little Mr. Mustache coat. Jesus! <laughs> God! So we created oh. an invisible alpha male in the sky. So you saw a little, oh. a little, a little tuft of the muff. God. Why? I forgot to put on underwear. Doing hand gestures, lifting his arms up, his shirt rides up. Hey, I'm a naked ape, man. It's oh, natural. Look at that. Too much. We got this new setup where it's like super close. <laughs> okay. Oh, it's good to know you're having... Haven't what? Shaved yourself clean for some reason. Well, I trimmed him that right Oh, yet. Jesus. This is over. This podcast is over. <laughs> oh. You're just destroying the audio on this podcast. Well, you're I freaking out. I can't showing me pubes. Hey. If you're a pro, you lean back even when you're freaking out. You I am know. leaning back right now. Now you are. You weren't a second ago. I'm looking at the levels. They're all over the place. Soundhawk. So-called. Well, I apologize so to forward. everyone look out forward. there. Why? You could have, that could have gone unnoticed. No one would have known that you were looking oh. at my pews. <sighs> you chose of, to bring that into discussion, okay, not me. Okay. News of the week. One, two, four. Four stories. Yeah. I think we got this. I think we should end. I think we should go right into this one, though. Since we're talking about carnivores and being all primal, the last story. When children question why they are eating animals. A question that I believe is being posed in the Brushmeyer house right By Joanne Stevados. No, no, by your daughter Harper. She's posing the question. This is appearing oh, on Psychology article. Today. I, it is, does strike close to home because Harper seems to not want to eat meat very often at all. It is kind of gross. Uh, there was a video. Did, did, I kicked it off on Twitter. Did you happen to watch that? Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should. I'm, I'm tempted to even have you pause and watch it. Is no. it one of those slaughterhouse videos? I don't need to see that shit. All right. It's a woman. I feel like it's a. Uh, no, it's like Brazil, South America, somewhere. So there's subtitles. Okay. She's feeding her small child. <clears throat> yes. Trying to feed her small child octopus gnocchi with some potatoes and some beans or something. And he's like, it be, it's like this three-minute thing where the kid, just adorable as all hell, starts going like, wait, wait a minute, where's the octopus's head? And he's like, did the fisherman cut it off like this? And she's like, yeah, yeah. Why did he do that? So we could eat it. And then he's like, but that's one of the animals. I'm he's a like, killer. I don't want animals to fall down and die to eat so that we eat them. I want them to stand up. And it becomes this long thing. And the mother's like, Move to tears. So that video is on Twitter or embedded in this Psychology Today article. Sounds but riveting. It's, it's heart touching. How would I? Yeah. You, you didn't. Where did well, you post it? You posted this You want to watch it? No. I'm good. You, you a did recent such study, a beautiful job of reenacting A recent study that. shows that vegetarianism in children ages 6 to 10 relates more to moral motivations such mm-hmm. as animal welfare than to personal motivations such as health. Probably intuitive, right? Yeah. <laughs> kids think they're going to live forever kids aren't worried about that. their health and they like animals all of the vegetarian children included in the study gave a moral reason not to eat meat huh so okay you're interested in that good my kids would break the mold because they, they know that it's bad for my cholesterol to eat a lot of meat too so, oh, they, so they your would. health they'd be worried about your health well they, they know about family history Mark 
Okay. They may be so here's, here's they another, understand the ramifications. Here's another example of children as the, um, you know, the blank canvas, untainted moral compass. Yeah. Oh, of course. Why would I think other than the way that kid does? Dr. Melanie Joy, she does this work to help us understand the belief system that conditions people to eat certain animals. Watch the pants. She labels this belief system carnism. Carnism. As opposed to veganism. Uh-huh. It's invisible. People rarely realize that eating animals is a choice rather than a given. In meat-eating cultures around the world, people typically don't think about why they eat certain animals but not others. We've thought about it on this podcast. Yeah. I think about it. Or why they eat don't an- you? any animals at all. But when eating animals is not a necessity, which is the case for many people in the world today, then it is a choice. And choices always stem from beliefs. Which means that it's a moral choice for all of us. That's what I take away from that. Yeah. Whether you overtly admit that or not. Mm Mm-hmm. We don't need to eat meat to survive anymore. And yet we do it. Furthermore, the study also showed that the main barrier to vegetarianism among children and young adults are their caregivers. Forcing that meat on Children are conditioned to follow the eating choices of adults in their household. When caregivers eat animals, children are often entirely unaware that eating a plant-based diet is also a choice. So I, at the library, I picked up a copy of Your fault. VB6, Mark Bittman's cookbook oh, yeah. diet thing. You know, vegan before six and after six, sensible mm-hmm. dinner. Read a little bit of it. It was a good book. As always, engaging. Uh, thoughtful delivery, all that. But Elias now kind of has his own diet that he hasn't named yet, but his diet is he's a vegetarian all month, I think. And then the last day of the month, he eats meat for every meal. It's either the last day or the last week. I think it's the last day. Well, that's more hardcore, but also bizarre in its own way. Well, he's very, he's insistent on it, but he has been eating meat <clears throat> yeah, off, not, off schedule. So He's not sticking with it. Well, that's but a great, he came up with the idea. That's, that's kind of a... Another great idea you've had. How could you explain any number of food trends to an eight-year-old? Oh, yeah, that would be a great segment on a podcast. It would. I wonder what podcast that will end up on. Uh, so we're grappling with this at our house. We don't, you know, we don't. We're doing the right thing. We don't force her to eat the meat. That and is. I'm doing not sure right Jenny's thing. on board with like trying a different. Really, Miss Meyer lifestyle. Really, is she voting for Trump too? <laughs> is, that, is that what's happening, Jenny? No. No, I mean, there's you know some people think, especially for kids, it's important to eat meat to build muscle and brain tissue yeah, and all that stuff. Yeah. Who the hell knows if that's true, right? These two guys don't, and we know an awful lot. I'll bet it's I'll bet it's not true, but harder without. So true-ish. 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 Hey, speaking of, look at this stuff. Man. Since we're recording in the kitchen, we're right here in the kitchen. New pea protein product. Oh, Beyond Beef. You bet. Beyond Meat. Yeah, I bought their chicken strips too. We ate them last night. Elias couldn't get enough of them. This is like the... He asked uh, me to make them every night. Wow. The chicken strips or this? The chicken strips. I made tacos with that the other day, though. These are the guys. These are... They're like about as high profile as Hampton Creek. Another Mm -hmm. Silicon Valley food tech. Nah, save it. We got it. Okay, we'll save food tech. Um, Pea protein. And they created that burger that that is selling out at Whole Foods. Yeah, it's not a a frozen patty. It's like... That bleeds. That bleeds. It's called the beast or something. Bleeds? Yeah, they, there's enzymes in it that mimic like blood. So you eat a plant-based burger that bleeds and feel. 
That was my foot. Uh, so like that's me. what, uh, yeah, that's what every vegetarian wants is a burger that bleeds. I guess we shall see. Well, yes, we I guess the see. jury's in, right? Because they, they, can't, they can't keep them in stock. Let me find the name of that burger. I know people want to know. I think it is the Beast Burger. It's the Beyond Burger. The Beyond Burger. That's what I said. The Beast, they, I think the Beast is when they sell the frozen patty. I have some Beast patties too, I think. Tell me about, tell me about Peacocks, Josh. Let's move to that one. Okay. Well, I mean, that's uh, this, this next story. Uh, the Peacock Chef of China by Christopher St. Kavish in Lucky Peach. Clearly, it inspired the intro music to this episode. Heard a couple different peacock calls. Well, I haven't read it, but I was captivated. I'm sure you horrified. were. Yeah, your namesake being turned into soup? Well, that's what's oh, happening. Is that what's happening? Let me guess. China. Hmm. It says it in the title. <laughs> Good guess, Mark. I'm ready. Liu Hua heats up water in a wok and slides a quarter of a blue peacock in. Oh. After a quick poach and then a stir fry with some aromatics, he chucks the whole thing into a pressure cooker, adds water, or no, I'm sorry, adds some expensive wild mushrooms and water, and then has an hour to kill while the peacock becomes soup. So I bet you want to know why he's cooking peacocks, don't you, Mark Brush? Yeah. Mark Peacock Brush, you want to know why he's cooking peacocks. That's a royal bird. So he is in um, Zishuangbana Virgin Forest Park. I think I almost got that. Zishuangbana. What do you think? Think that's yeah. good? Zishuangbana. Yeah. Think, think that's Mandarin? Uh, it's about 50 miles from the borders of Myanmar and Laos. Mian- of, Myanmar? Myanmar and Laos. Mm-hmm. One of the park's main attractions is Flight of the Peacocks, which is unremarkable, except the peacocks aren't really built to fly, my friend. So they have a bunch of peacocks, right, mm-hmm. at this park. They put on a big show where a bunch of them fly, but not every peacock can learn to fly or is fit to fly, and a lot of them, they end up with broken wings or they're just not that valuable. What do you do with all these extra peacocks, Mark? Yeah, and uh, so no custom of eating peacock really exists in China. Spucker's genius idea. But they ate, they did, peacocks were food in ancient China and in ancient Rome as well. Really? They were known in ancient Rome to eat the tongues, the brain, everything. And in 1971, Mark, the Shah of Iran served roast peacocks to Orson Welles. (laughs) So there's a bit of a precedent, but not much. Hardly any, in fact. Yeah, not much. But so they open a restaurant in this park and they serve peacock because they have a lot of peacock. And you have a problem with this. Of course I do. Do you really? Because uh, uh, a couple episodes ago, we were talking about a dog meat festival. And we agreed <laughs> that the way that they treat the dogs is rather horrific. And they're, they have that belief that tortured meat tastes better. It's pretty fucked up. But uh, yeah. the other thing we decided is that you can't just want to save one animal and not another. Going back well, to your just carnism. Yeah, yeah the, carnism. The psychology of why we eat what we eat. Yeah, you can't arbitrary. just not eat something because it's cute or pretty. Learned behavior, even if it's immoral. We accept that stress every day when we make our decisions to ignore it. I happen to think eat pigeons meat. are beautiful. What? Pigeons. Well, that's the fridge. You're going to have to deal with that sound okay. talk. But I happen to think that pigeons are, are quite noble and beautiful birds. Well, you're fine. There's not a lot of ton of pigeon People cuisine. eat squab? It's special. Is squab even a pigeon? That's pigeon-esque. Squab. Anyway. It's like a fancy pigeon. 
So let's let's head back to that restaurant. At the huh. restaurant. In culinary terminology, squab is a young domestic pigeon, typically under four weeks old. Yeah. Who's the fucking insider now, Mark? <laughs> so back at the restaurant, the chef and I, I being Christopher, right? Not me, I wasn't there. They run through some of the kitchen technique of cooking peacock. It's basically like a dry chicken. The remainder of the peacock he's used for my soup sits on the stainless steel counter. One leg is missing, and the other is noticeably long and lithe, but otherwise it looks like any other plucked bird. It began to seem downright honest to me. A wonderfully, a wonderfully practical and Chinese solution to an inevitable problem one might encounter in running one's own peacock-focused nature reserve. What? You got a lot of extra peacocks. So eat them. Do they have a lot? Yeah, I think so. All right. I, I don't have the exact numbers for you. Yeah, of course you don't. So we wrap up this way. Uh, Liu had done his job moving the peacocks along the circle of life from performer to soup. They are magnificent creatures to look at, but eventually their time is up just like the rest of us. They taste like turkey. <laughs> Taking a bow because you did such a good job with that? I did an all right job. You did all right. You made the points I wanted to make. I knew you'd, you'd balk at this beautiful bird being eaten, but it's really well, no yeah. different than... It's, you can't fault me for balking at my namesake bird. I don't. I mean, how attached do you really feel to that bird? And why is that a... I see a peacock, I feel Are there just peacocks? Are there peacock people and actual peacocks just all over the South? What's more prevalent in the South, the bird or the name, Mark? The name, the people, where I come from, in the South. Okay. But, I mean, there's peacocks in the South, too, right? I mean, not like just wandering around, I don't think. Well, then how'd the name get so popular there? Riddle me that. I think it's of British origin. Do you know Hunter Thompson had a peacock farm? Nope. Up in Woody Creek? Did he? Pretty sure. I don't know if he ate them. <sighs> that's not. That's not a. It's not tremendous a psychic blow. I understand the culture. If it works in that culture, and they treat it's, them well. But it's well, not even that culture. It's just specifically at that up. at that forest reserve. They treat them well. They treat them well. They're showbirds. Yeah. They're trained to fly when that's not in their nature. So that's kind of weird. Yeah. And some of them break limbs while they're doing it. And get eaten as a consequence. That's an ominous sign. So that's a bit of a bummer. Yeah. But better than better to eat them than waste them. Right? Right. I don't know. Eh. We just don't have to... I don't know. You could make uh, fancy pelts out of them. What? And eat the meat. Why don't you get off that chair? It's really distracting. too far to see. All right. Too far to see? What just, I just won't move. Little lady. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hear that crackling chair... So I know much. you're going to be sound hawking out on this episode. When you're you next, to it in man. The car. I know. I've Ooh. got another story of animal welfare for you. Buddhist monks buy 600 pounds of lobster to release them back into the ocean. Rachel Pell's independent.uk. It's United Kingdom. .co.uk. Whatever. From the UK. So more than 600 pounds of lobsters have been spared the pot thanks to a liberation project arranged by a group of Buddhist monks in Canada. The monks from the Great Enlightenment Buddhist Institute Society brought the... God, you keep messing around on the dock. I'm sorry. Don't touch the dock while I'm reading. Okay. Dirtbag. Done. They bought the lobsters from various sources around the Prince Edward Island in eastern Canada before taking them to the sea. Venerable Dan... It's a great name. Yeah. A spokesman for the monks involved 
said the purpose of the mission was to cultivate compassion, not just for the lobsters, but for all human beings. Hmm. You like that story, Mark? I like Venerable Dan. I do too. Do you like that he's that they chose lobsters? Basically a big fucking wet insect? Yeah, you got a problem with the crustacean. I like crustaceans. Yeah, I don't... I don't it kind of proves the point. Like, he, they didn't choose some adorable creature to save. They chose a bottom feeder. Oh. That looks like a big beetle. Well, but also one of the most known food animals to be tortured. Still not adorable. Tortured? You mean cooked alive? Is that torture? Cooked alive in a pot of boiling water? They don't like it. They scream, wee, and they try to get out. Isn't that like a CIA interrogation tactic? Yeah. Good for them. Put their money where their mouth is. Yeah. Venerable Dan continues, the whole purpose for us is to cultivate this compassion toward others. It doesn't have to be lobsters. It can be worms, flies, any animal. Any animals, yeah. Drive slower so we don't run over little critters on the street. That's how you can... How many pounds of flies could he buy for that same amount of money? 600 pounds of lobster. Wow. I mean, you could probably just go catch a few hundred pounds of flies. Go buy them. Does he have a uh, disease-ridden monastery, though? They don't kill flies? They're just letting flies spread disease all over their (laughs) Trappist monk beers and all that crap? They're in Canada. It's cold. There's flies in the cold, man. There's worms. There's larvae. Summertime. What do you got? That's it? I don't know. There's not much else there's to say com- about that There's one. a lot of compassion in this episode. Animal compassion. Very compassionate episode. We're very compassionate people. Compassion. Could be a title. Maybe people warm to that. Yeah, I got last one. This is not compassionate. Uh, can tech money help real food scale up? Naomi Starkman, Civil Eats. A little bit of food tech for you. The venture capital model is predicated on investing in scalable companies that have the potential to deliver big returns, said Danielle Gould, founder and CEO of Food Plus Tech Connect. Taking notes? Oh. VCs can play a key role in supporting the development of technologies that can help sustainable agriculture to scale, like aggregating supply and demand, disintermediating distribution, and ensuring safety, but the model does not really lend itself to supporting individual small sustainable farms. Sorry, I didn't get any of that. What do you say? I was writing down a timestamp for the food tech queue. Say, uh, Paraphrase. The, I don't need that whole big fucking quote. The gist of that is small, sustainable farms aren't attractive to venture capitalists. So mm. all this future of food money could be going into creating a wonderful new food supply. Yeah. But they probably have to take smaller returns on their investment than these unicorn home runs. So you see money... You mean like the shark fin? Well, so you see money going into things like shark fin and soylent and all that kind of stuff. But you're not seeing a lot of food tech dollars poured into sustainable farming? Is that what you're trying to tell me, (laughs) That's what I'm trying to tell you because it's not attractive from an investment perspective. It's not sexy on a presentation deck, is it? It's... Bony shark fin? That is boners in the room, but... (laughs) It's attractive to a Wendell Berry perspective, but not to a... Yeah, I think if we learned anything from the Wendell Berry episode, it's that he would not probably even sit for a pitch like that. So oh, he's not. Yeah, he's not taking pitches for investments. No. I've seen the future of food, and with all due respect to my visionary colleagues in Silicon Valley, it is not Soylent. It is not Schmoylent or Schmilk either. Argued Steve what's, Case. What's Schmoylent? Is he just making fun of Soylent? He's making fun of Schmoylent or Schmilk. Schmilk. Is that shit milk? Is that argued a- Steve Case, chairman and CEO of Revolution, a venture capital firm? Big deal. Mm. That's a big opinion. 
So big. I used to work for him. So ribald. Do we need healthier food and a cheaper way of sourcing and distributing that food? Absolutely. But that's not a powder. It's authentic, natural foods, locally sourced, sustainably grown, brought fresh to our tables. Put another way, the future of food is food. Steve Case, drop the mic. Meh. Just one guy's opinion. All right. He makes a point, though, a compelling one. Is it, is it schmoylent or is it? If you can't grow the ingredients to make soylent, eat you more can't salad. have soylent, right? Remember, eat more salad? I do. I've been eating a lot of salad. Part of my cholesterol-lowering regimen. Mm. Lots of salad. It's working. Keep it up. With, uh, ooh, I'm going to do another product shout-out. I'll show you the best, best, pod- best products on the market right now. Cocoa Amino from Big Tree. Cocoa Aminos. Best tasting shit on the planet. What does it taste like? It tastes like a sweet soy sauce. With Big Tree Farms. You know who's got money in that? Greg's egg. The old bagster, huh? I think White Road's an investor. Big Tree's uh, one of the founders is a guy named Freddie who was one of the, he made a Dagobah chocolate, one of the first organic chocolates. Well, I mean, it's, it's uh, described as a soy sauce alternative, but it, to me it's head, head and shoulders above soy sauce. It's got wow. Its own. Why don't we put a little on your finger? It's a fresh bottle. I, Let's in fact, do that. When we were, this, when, is a, this is a quick episode. When we were on vacation, I bought a bottle of this. Blue. Everyone's mind. Anyone who tasted it was like, what the hell? Are we back in uh, Sierra Nevada? Yeah, this was in uh, Nevada City. Nevada City. <clears throat> My voice just is not loosening up. It's all right. We're almost done. Life goes on. Until we record episode 75. Ugh. Oh, yeah, shit. Naked Ape will be in 73, 74, but not 75 or 76. Yeah. To accommodate Natch travel schedules. Give yourself one of those. Why don't you show me your pubes again while we're... Ah, Jesus. Oh my God, it's so good. Don't put your finger directly on it, you savage. Oh yeah, that's good. Put this on everything. I put it on savory dishes. I put it on my morning oats. Tell everybody that is Big Tree Cocoa Aminos. I'm putting this shit on salad with hemp oil. I'm getting so many omega-3s. 73. Is that it? Uh-huh. End with a bang. <laughs> End with my salad dressing recipe? Yeah. yeah, don't give it to me again. Hemp oil, hemp cocoa oil, aminos. Cocoa aminos. Put it on salad. If you're, kinda, if you're like me and you're a little crazy, you might even put... I have some uh, wild walnuts. They, they have kind of a gamey forest floor taste. When do you get wild walnuts? Costco, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> so what makes them wild? I don't know. They're like a wild. They're cultivated in the wild. They're not a... Oh, boy. Okay. Here, hold on. I'll let you taste one. Wild crafted walnuts harvested from the... Oh, they're already shelled. Yeah, maybe wild's not the word that was on the package, but that's the idea. Hand in. Go ahead and stick your filthy hand in. You already put it all over my cocoa aminos. So you can you can just smell it too. Oh yeah, that's good. Yeah, an acquired taste. I'm the only one in the house that likes these things. That's Great cool. on a salad though with the cocoa aminos, some spring oh. greens, some of these whatever the hell they're called walnuts, and uh, hemp oil. <laughs>